0: And now, and then. Where should I put it? No, you don't have to hold it. Okay. I don't know why, but this strikes me as very important to start to discuss. Um, I guess as the world around us gets more chaotic and crazy, um, talking about this topic tonight is probably even more important, and the topic I wanted to dis- discuss tonight we- was c- is called nichbadus. It's a meter, it's a quality, a character trait. Um, it's actually unusual, like, not, I hadn't really heard it described in this way before, nichbadus, it comes from the, the same word as mechubad, which means like um, some sort of honour, uh, to be honourable, and um, I guess in another wo- way of translating it would be self-dignity, like dignity. A certain dignity not just sneers and I wanted to talk the difference between sneers modesty which we know is like most people if they know about what modesty is they think it's just about covering your knees and your elbows right or just covering up and feeling like oppressed a little bit versus um, some people who know who've learned more than that know that sneers is not obviously about that but it's about a certain protection of yourself internally but this is even a step deeper even behind that this is this equality called nif baddus, which means feeling regal and feeling like you're really worth it inside. A certain ele- elevation, a certain re- regalness, a certain dignity that, that we really are and how to tap into that, which is really, uh, it seems, is before sneas. So I, I wanted to, or, or it feeds into SNEAS and they feed back and forth, but I wanted to go behind that. I want to go behind SNEAS Because I think SNEAS is the word sneas and modesty sometimes is, is overused or used in the wrong way or has different connotations. So I wanted to like go behind this, let's go from the base and then build back out to SNS and what's going on. And it's got nothing to do with inches and clothes, and right? It's to do with an inner, an inner awareness of who you are already. Not that you have to get somewhere to be that, right? It's a very different shift. Um, so before I, we launch into that, there's a couple of foundational ideas that are really important before launching in so that you can hear this in the right way. Last week, who was here last week in the class? Only a few of you. So interesting. Okay. Um, last week we discussed a Mishnah, a Perkei Avos, ethics of our fathers, that we said should be like the Talmidim of Aaron, right? The students of Aaron. That's one of the quotes in the, in the Mishnah. Be like a student of Aaron, like Moshe and Aaron. So does anyone remember last week what that meant? What does that mean to be a student of Aaron? If you, don't, if you never met Aaron, how can you be a student of Aaron? Oh, thank and you. <laughs> his characteristics to follow in his ways and his characteristics and, and even even more than that to know what he would do in any given situation, right? To know what he would do. Tell me, So, in this in this situation when I carry myself with a certain royalty, it's like acknowledging that I'm a daughter of the king. Right? I'm like I'm like a daughter of I'm a princess essentially is what is what this is about. So it, it, rather than just think, like, what would Aaron do in this situation, it's more like, what would God do? Like, if, if you can ask that question, so to speak. Like, what would God do in the, What's a godly response in this situation? Whatever situation you're in, right? Or what's a righteous response? What would it look like if someone royal were to do that, right? I mean, you can say God, you could... But really, that's what we're doing. We're trying to ask ourselves, what, not what would Aaron do, right? As a forefather, he's, he's huge, he's great person. What would God do? What, what's the right response here in that way? That these are some of the, the general themes and idea, ideas. It's a whole way of being, this idea of, of nichbadus, and it's elusive. It's not like something clear-cut. It's this centimeter, that centimeter. You say this prayer. You say, it's not like that. It's more elusive. It's a, it's a quality rather than a rule. Yeah. So, um, when I was learning in Israel one of the key foundational frames of personal growth was uh, a whole system that I learned uh, that Rav Volba came up with. Rav Volba was a big uh, guttle in Musa and personal development. And he brought, brought down how we can see through the Torah that the way to change yourself is through two different energies, focuses, practices at once. And those two focuses were called planting and building. Yeah, planting and building. That, they actually wrote a book called Planting and Building, yeah? What does that mean? Planting is more about planting seeds and values, right? You know when you read kids' a storybook at bedtime and like you're reading about how, you know, little Johnny's not gonna cross the road without a parent, right, he's gonna hold mommy's hand, right? Isn't little Johnny gonna do that? And the little kid's like, mm-hmm, right? You're planting values into the child in a story about a certain meter, a certain quality about what you want them to internalize, right? This is called plant. And you don't know when that seed that you're planting is gonna pop up or sprout. You don't know, you're just planting seeds that you want him to learn or her to learn and you hope in the future at some point it's gonna take hold and you start to see the kid act that way. And you go, oh, those are little Johnny books, right? right? You don't know, that's called planting. We have to do that for ourselves as well. And you can do that, by the way, the good news is it's not over when you're a kid, like when you grow up. We can do that for life, right? Because plant certain values inside of ourselves that we want to take hold if you notice a meter that's not right in you, and you want to correct it, you can do it. The whole of our lifetime as a Jew—it's amazing. As a you know, like that, we're flexible. We can we can still grow. Um, the other is uh, building. They're more the building blocks, yeah. Structural rules. So, anyone seen a grape a, a grapevine? How a grapevine grows? How does it grow? Yeah if you want to train a grapevine to grow a certain direction what does it what needs to be there Sorry. yeah you see like the, like, a tr- like a trellis or something you see you see, you have the grapevine starts to sprout and then it can climb along the wall and it needs that structure to climb that way so the sprouting obviously is the organic growth that happens from the soil and then if you want to train it a certain direction you need a structure right so that's actually how the meters and the halakha work in and out together as well right a meter is like an organic kind of sprouting hopefully based on the seeds that you plant and the structure is that the halacha is like a rule like a set literally a structure that you can practice that also helps you internalize the meter and they go back and forth right does that make sense they weave in and out so for example if i have a healthy planted of nebadu of a certain dignity about myself out of that will sprout healthy sneers what I do in healthy sneers however if I don't have a healthy Nebadu a healthy sense of dignity I can rely on the building blocks of sneers that if I do it long enough will help me internalize the meter as well right through the structure I can go in I can go through it both ways and they feed into each other so what happens what happens is the problem that we see we see people focus too much sometimes on the structure let me do the rules and do the but it's not being fed back into the planting you're not connecting to the deeper idea behind it it's all about how shorts your skirt right how long's? that's 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 not the point all right that's not what we're going for here people getting lost in the details and the structure and they're feeling oppressed that's not what's going on it's meant to feed a certain sense about you now ballet chuva I believe have a to certain organic sprouting of connection inspiration, right? You're at the Kotel, you feel something, you want to go to Israel, right? There's like, there's a certain organic sprouting in a bal that's natural, and we come to it in our own way, usually, right? Now, our challenge then is putting the structure in after. oof, I have to do what? What, no, no, I feel God anyway. Like, no, no, but you have to do the rules? Like, what, right? No, that's suffocating, right? That's our challenge, it's If there's If there's only balai in the room, I don't know. Um, FFB, people who grew up religious are fantastic with the structure. They can just like whip out any bracha of anything. I'm like jealous when I watch them, right? They can just say any, they can in all chakras off by heart. Right? I'm like, are you joking? You know, like I'm so jealous of their Hebrew skills. They understand the structure, the rules. Right? It's inside them. What do they have trouble with? The connection. They look at us, ballet Children, and they're like, oh, you're so inspired. How do I get that? Right, they like I'm F F H from from habit, right? Like how I I am I'm, I'm feeling like I, I, I know everything, but like I need the fire. So you see that we teach each other things. Balchiva teach the from from birth, and the from from birth, right? And we feed each other. But you see, this is coming from planting and building. The Balchiva have the planting of the inspiration, and the the FFBs have the the structure, the building. They understand the halakhas inside out. It's not a big deal for them, right? So, um. So that's how it works. So neshbados is a planting of this sense of I'm dignified, I'm royal, I'm regal, I'm a princess. That's who I am. And then the halacha, the building is like, how 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 does a princess act? How would a princess act? Oh, have you ever seen Kate Middleton, the princess Kate from the famous princess Kate from England? She's fantastic, right? She's I mean, I'm biased because I'm under the queen. But like, you know, she why? Because she she really does embody this in at least in the public eye. You never see her wearing short shorts working out at the park, like, right? You, you you wouldn't see certain things. Not because they're bad, it's just a princess doesn't do it. You don't you can't represent the queen and the palace um, if you're wearing certain things. You just can't. Right? It's not it's not becoming of a princess to do certain things in public, right? Does that mean she's suffocated? No. She's in an elevated place. People look up to her. She's a cer- There's a certain regalness, you know. So, this is what we're looking at as a bigger picture. The second most important part of this before everyone freaks out at like what they think they should doing, that a princess wouldn't do, that now they're doing, now they, am I not a princess? Like what is it, right? Before you freak out, is there's a certain free will range that we all are in. You're in your own range of growth. Right? You heard of the nechuda sabachira, which is your own point, that is your own element of challenge. Right? That is your is the right element for you. So it's not about we all have to pretend we're like Kate Middleton when we can't be and we're not. That's not what it's about. But it's about on my level, what would be the next thing I would do or would not do if I really felt like a princess inside in my life in my current life. Right? Not trying to pretend to be someone you're not. But if I, in my current life, if I felt a little bit more regal, a little bit more dignified, what would I do differently and what would I not do, right? You all have a sense of this because there's certain things you would not do if you were going for a job interview. There's certain things you would not wear. You, would you walk in and crack gum and like blow a bubble in the face of the employer and let it smash on your face? No, <laughs> right, why? It's unprofessional. So when it's unprofessional, we're fine with it. We get it. If I say it's not, it's not so snia, not so becoming, it's not so mechubbad, which comes from nichbadus. Mechubbad means it's not, it's not honoring of yourself to do that, right? It feels differently to say, okay, whatever. You know, like, but no, but you're really, you really shouldn't do it ever in that way because why should you? If you're not going to do it for someone you want to impress, why would you do it all the other times, right? It's so interesting. We don't think about this relating to ourselves. We just don't. We just don't think of it. Um, so you're, you've got to be at your own level. It's not about becoming something you're not, and it's a whole way of being. It's elusive. It's not. Um, it's not a rule, and it's about planting and building. Okay, with those foundational ideas, we can um, we can go forward. Um, I heard a story from. A rabbi that I, I'm, I'm close to and he said that there was one time where he saw there was a door frame that was broken. <coughs> like a door, was, it was a door, but the, fr- the, the, the frame, it was just the frame left. There was nothing inside it. So people were walking in through to the building and half the people would walk over through the frame, like the frame's closed, would walk like just through the frame because there was a big hole. And half the other people would actually open the broken door frame like a door and walk through like, as if it was not a broken door. Right? He was watching this curiously and he realized that all the people that opened the door frame and walked through pretending as if it wasn't broken were all people who had the same Rebbe, the same teacher. Just, he just noticed that, he was like, what? Wait a sec. They have that Rebbe, they have that Rebbe. And he was curious as anything, like maybe they learnt something like this in the yeshiva. Like he went like, you shouldn't, don't walk through broken door frames, like what, what? So he went to the Rebbe and he said, you know, Rebbe, I have to tell you that, that I just witnessed the most crazy thing. There's a broken door frame and everyone's walking through the door frame except your students. They all open the door and walk through the broken, bro- broken door as if it wasn't broken. What do, you, what do you teach them? Thinking he's going to give them some secret. And he said the most amazing thing. He says, he said, well, what is it connected to a mitzvah? As Rob Berkowitz actually. And Rob Berkowitz says, it's not a mitzvah. He goes, so what is it? He said, they're human beings and human beings walk through doors. What? human beings open a door and walk through doors that's what a human being a human being does that they open the door and they walk through a door they don't just it was a very deep idea that they all felt that I'm a human being and even though the door's broken and technically I can jump through the hole, a human being doesn't just jump through a hole not because it's judgment, I wouldn't judge someone else negatively for doing it, but that, that feeling in themselves, it was second nature even they didn't even think about it Walk, a door you, you open a door right this is not halacha it's not not it's not wrong to not do it but there was a certain sense of way they were carrying themselves that internalized that they felt like this I, To between you and me i don't know what i would do right i i don't know what i don't know i don't think it's a bad thing to do that but it was very interesting that this was the thing that was tr- was transmitted um if i respect myself i'm a human being i live my a life in a princely type way The deeper idea about this is that it's about you, not about what's going on in the world around you. So there's a halacha that says, I shouldn't speak peh, right, curse and swear and like I shouldn't speak trashy with my mouth, obviously, right? I shouldn't speak in a degraded way with my mouth, but not because I'm only worried about how it might affect you. I don't speak that way because it's not becoming of me, I'm not an animal. I'm royal, right? Uh, There's a certain um, holding of myself that happens inside of me, and I don't speak that way because humans don't speak that way, right? There's a degradation if I start to speak that way, right? And it's not about someone else. I don't scream if I can help it, because I'm a human being, whereas, you know, talking is more about communicating and screaming sounds more like barking. You've ever really heard people scream? It sounds like it's a little bit subhuman. It does, it sounds a bit like an animal. People screaming their heads off at each other. All right, you're like... So it's all about the way you hold yourself. There's also different rules, by the way, for a Tamil Chacham, someone who's very learned. It even suggests a way they should speak not too loudly, but also not too soft. Because if I speak very softly, I see if extra humble. It smacks of arrogance, right? If someone speaks extremely either way, it smacks of arrogance. Did we check on the, I just went back thank again. you so much. Did they say they're coming? Yeah. I don't know what. I was a little saying. more huh? forceful this time. <coughs> to people come. Say again? I was a little more forceful this time. Were you? Come. Yeah. What were we waiting for? The air. The uh, uh, treats. She thought treats. Treats. <laughs> 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 treats. the <laughs> Warm would be treat. So we're looking for the middle the middle ground. Okay. I also sometimes think how like when someone curses, it's like do you talk to like your parents with that mouth or even a shem with that mouth? What yeah, why? What's your template with that? Because if you speak like so deratory with like the same lips, it's like disgusting. Right. Right, and that one, one is more elevated, like mm-hmm. thinking of parents should be respectful, right, God should be respectful, and I'm using the same lips, right, it doesn't add up, even though we can slip and we can mess up, but overall, we're not, we're not aiming for that. Is that why Lush and Hara never elevates you? Like sometimes it feels okay to vent, but like, constantly talking about like someone that's not good for you, there's no point, that it's not, fucking nothing like It's actually, Lush and Hara specifically is more, is re- ab- absolute destruction real destruction of yourself, the other person, the reputation. It's like a three-way destruction. What am I talking about? Like a guy that you know is bad for you. Like, he's like, oh, he called me today. Like, what does he have to say? He's such an idiot. Like, even that, there's no point in that because it's just... It depends if you need to really speak to someone in privacy like about something you're struggling with. So there's there's different rules for that versus Mm -hmm. if you're just gossiping Mm -hmm. to a friend and really you don't care about their input. Kind of know but you have to be honest with yourself. Like, was I, just, was I really venting because I needed to vent or was I just gossiping right. it's interesting, I asked Robertson Heller once about swearing, it was very interesting I know, it was bold of me to ask Robertson Heller about swearing but I said to her, like, I don't get it, what's the deal with cursing, without mentioning any curse words obviously I said the same letters of the alphabet rearrange but they have such a power there's a power to curse words there really is, that's why people use them but what's the power spiritually? I want to understand what the power was and she said the most unbelievable thing. She said, because if you think of every curse word, I'm sorry to do that to you. She said if you think of every curse word, you take what's meant to be private and or holy, which I would argue is a type of dignified something to be it's if something's if something's private and holy, there's a certain dignity to it, right? And makes and when you speak it out there and you put out that concept that's meant to be private and or holy and you put it out there crassly in the public eye where it shouldn't be it creates a degradation a destruction to the boundaries that should have been around that concept in the first place here she said the punch that you feel is the destruction literally of the boundaries around the concept that should have been there so there is a power the power is the destruction of the boundaries there's a destruction to use something You think of curse words that are usually done privately and have boundaries around them. They're private, they're sneers, they're modest, they're private, they're dignified, they're holy. They're either between two people or they're by myself alone or they're not for everyone to comment on and be involved with. There's a certain modesty to it. And that power of like putting it out there is a destruction and a degradation of the boundaries that should have been around that thing. And you don't even have to be on such a high level to feel that. If you remove yourself from any kind of cursing environment and then you go back in, it feels like someone punched you in the stomach when, when they say the word. Like It's hard nowadays because every, it's everywhere, but like if you go to, say, seminary in Israel for three weeks and learn, right? there's usually not so much swearing around there. And then you go back into the normal world, it, you, you feel it. It's like, it feels like a little bit jarring. That little jar is like a little assault, a little crossing of your boundary every time. So it's easy to get desensitized again to it, and it's easy to resensitize if you remove yourself again. Right? And even in yourself, if you stop saying it, it's amazing what happens, how you can sensitize. Well, what is that? That's a degradation, literally, of this mida. Nechpadus, it's like a degradation of my dignity. It's literally what happens when I use crass words that are meant to be private, publicly. It's an amazing concept, and it makes so much sense. We don't think about it even, right? That's the, that's the spirituality behind curse words. You heard it here first. That's all, obviously. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so, but that's part of this whole meter of, of holding yourself in a dignified way. You know, sometimes, like we slip, we say things. Sometimes I slip and say things that I wish I didn't say and afterwards I feel like, ugh, ugh, ugh. You know that fe- do you know that feeling? Yeah. You know that ugh feeling? Yeah. It's like, it's an inner ugh. What is it? Because I didn't respect myself. It has nothing to do with anyone else. I could be by myself in the car right? I didn't respect myself. And that, that's the ugh. So that, that's, that's where we're coming from. It doesn't mean I beat myself up or I'm a bad person. It, it, I, just, I just don't want to be holding there. It. It's not where I want to be. Um, it's interesting. The Torah says objectively you're not allowed to be disgusting. I didn't know this, by the way. You're not allowed to like, do things that objectively disgust other people in front of other people. Like spit. You know when people do that and you're like, ew! it's just like disgusting. You feel it. You feel it in your body. It's disgusting. Like, ew. Do you have to do that? Like it's disgusting. Right? You know, I'm obviously very passionate about it. Right? What, <laughs> what, what is that about? Because it, it, It's just not mechubad. It's not fitting for a human being to do that. That's what animals do. So when I see another human being that I don't even know spits, it's disgusting because you're better than that right the person's better than that I shouldn't have to witness it because that's not what we do as humans it's not what we do right it's a certain meter These, these are all I'm pointing out examples where you might have felt it already in your own life and you didn't know why or maybe you just thought oh I just wasn't brought up that way or I just was not society like no this is a deep quality about who you are and the other person's obviously not sensitive to it either in themselves yeah right um, okay it's a very deep idea that um, you don't do, you don't, we're not doing these things for other people, If they're for us. Yeah? It's because it's like, it's just not what I do as a human being, as opposed to, I want to act kind because I want to help you. No, Chesed came from within Hashem, Hashem wanted to be a giver, he was it wasn't dependent on the responsiveness of another person, happened to be that we benefited. But that's not where it came from. It's not like, I see you, you look like you need something, so I'm going to then choose because I see you looking sad. I want to then do something for you so you look happy, so I'm doing it in response to you. That's not where true chesed comes from. It's not where any, any meter comes from. Yeah, it's a, a, Especially sneers is about an internal sense of yourself rather than basing it off what someone else needs from you or what someone else's response is to you. We don't act like a mensch because we want other people to think well of us. Now we don't act like we're good mitos because now I look like I'm acting with good, it's because it's not who I am right, there's a halakha that you knock on the door before you enter, do you know this, there's a halakha a Jewish law that says um, it's, and you're about to walk into a room and you don't know who's in the room, it's, it's nice to be a mensch, to be someone with good mitos good character traits, to just do a little knock on the door, oh yes, thank you we're, we're all in, in like a, an igloo are you guys okay? it's freezing, it's, it's freezing. It's freezing. <laughs> yes. we're all in coats is yeah. How do we turn it up? I think the air conditioner's on. The air conditioning's on. Okay, all right. Will you save us? I'll try. Okay, thank you. Men love saving. Okay. Um. <laughs> Please appreciate that. Okay. Um. There's a Halakha that you knock. You knock on the door before you enter. Ah. Oh. Uh. Thank you. <laughs> oh, felt the relief. Um, you don't knock on the door. You knock on the door regardless. it Doesn't matter who's in there or not. It's just like it's a, because I, I knock on the door because I'm a mensch, not because of who's in there and how they're going to react. Right? It turns out that is the nice way to do it. But I, I knock initially because I, uh, that's what I do as a human being. Okay. There's um, the idea of the mitzvahs and why we do the mitzvahs, as opposed... No. Can I just say something real quick? Yeah. On Shabbos, when ah. I uh, was by a father of a little child who was crying in his crib, and before he went to pick up the child, he knocked in his baby room. I was like, whoa! He knocked, the, like the kid will understand the father's coming. Wow. So cool. Wow. Right. Right. Because that's what the father just does that. doesn't matter if it's a baby or... Yeah. Right. Exactly. Good. I'm glad you're seeing it in action. So we think we do the mitzvahs, Right because I, I need to do a mitzvah because we do mitzvahs, but really the mitzvahs do us. What does that mean? When I do a mitzvah, it's really changing me through a principle that we find in the Sefer Achinuch, which is that deed shapes the heart. Yeah, My action will shape me. So if I do an action over and over and over again, it will actually change who I am internally. That's why we said if you don't have the meter of nichbadus, of this dignity inside, but you do start to follow some of the halakhas of SNEAS, the SNEAS itself will start to change you. So rather than saying there, he says like saying over and over, say, I don't spit, I don't spit, I don't spit, I don't spit, right? I don't want to do that action of spitting. I don't spit. So you're telling yourself, okay, I don't spit, I don't spit. I'm focusing on the structure, the building, right? I'm focusing on the rule. I don't spit, I don't spit, I don't spit. It turns into after a while, I am not a person that spits, Right? it turns into an internalized place of rather than I don't spit, I don't spit, I don't spit which is a halacha so to speak or the building blocks you turn into a person, I just don't spit. it goes from deed to creed as you could say from deed, I, it turns from an action into like this is my motto of life I, I'm not a person that spits it's, just, it's not befitting for me you've all had this feeling by the way I remember this feeling very early on in my 20s in Australia, I had no connection to Judaism whatsoever didn't even know this at all I remember sitting out at a nightclub, and all my friends, I'm sure you've had this feeling somewhere in your life, I, yeah, you're all grinning, so I know, I won't look around, but you're all smiling, um, where you're looking around the room, and you're looking at either a group of friends, or an environment, or somewhere, where you look around, and you're going, what am I doing here? What, like, what am I doing here? This is like, so not me. This is so not where I should be. Whatever it is, right? Either the people you were with weren't positive influences, they weren't good for you, the environment you were with not was not good for you, whatever it was, but you're like, this is not befitting for me. And I remember looking around this nightclub and it was like everyone was in slow-mo, like, woo, yeah. Like everyone was like that. And I took, you know, that step, when you take a step back and it looks like you've got a wide-angle lens from your, in your own life where you suddenly get that perspective and you're looking back and looking down at everything. I had that moment in a nightclub and I, it, it's like God opens up these windows for you in your life sometimes where you get that perspective. It's like a golden moment. And you can choose just to flick it off and then go, woo, back in, like back into the scene and like ignore it. You get a choice whether you're going to listen to that insight, that deeper, still small voice, they call it in, in Judaism, like a, like a certain insight, a certain depth of understanding about your life or whether you're going to just go back in. It says that later on in life, it's not that you're held accountable for things that you couldn't have known or things that you didn't grow up with. You're held accountable for those moments, those windows when they opened in your life and you knew you had a window and you didn't act on it. When you had the insight and you chose not to take it, they're the moments you'll be held accountable for. Right? Which makes sense because you had the opportunity. So it doesn't mean you can't get it back next time, but like there's those moments in life that are key. Um, This is not befitting for me. But that type of a feeling, not a better than feeling. Um, Where do we see this action of deed shapes the heart? So it turns out the word ahava means? Love. Love. Yay. So love. Um, you would think is a feeling, right? Love's a feeling. How do I get love? How do I get to feel this feeling called love? So if you look into the root of a word in Hebrew, you know the root of the word reflects the concept itself. So the root of ahava, you would think, would reflect the concept of love and the feeling of love. Instead, the, con- the root of ahava, we know, is the word hav, which means to give. To give. So you see that the essence, how do I feel like I need to generate, if I need to generate love, so it says, so give. So the more I act in a certain way, giving, that generates this feeling called love. So deed shapes the heart, literally, literally. In the actual word love itself, it says that, right? Deed, your action of giving, will shape the heart. By the way, this is very empowering because this whole idea of like, oh, I fell out of love with him. Oh, like, oh, we're, we're in love and now I feel like I can't help it. Like, I love you, but I'm not in love. You know that whole thing? I always wonder, like, what, what does that mean for marriage? Because, like, you're going to commit for life and then, like, what, how do I know I'm not going to fall out of love with someone 20 years down the track, right? It's pretty scary. So this just, like, eradicated all my fears of this because it was like, oh, that's not how it works, right? The Western world's just totally deluded us, right? It's not how it works. How does it work? You want to feel more loving? Act more giving. Just give, but I don't feel like it. So, give. But I don't feel like it. Give anyway. But I really don't feel like it. But you will feel like it the more you. So, the more you give, the more that will generate this feeling of love. And then, of course, you'll feel like giving more. But it's like the instructions of how to get out of the box are on the outside of the box. You know the idea? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to. Even when you don't feel like it, the toy says give anyway. And then you'll start feeling like it. So, it's like it's very empowering because you're not sitting there a victim to your feelings. Right? Where you're just like, oh, oh well, I fell out of love. Oh well. But they got people really feel that way. They feel a complete victim to their own feelings. Oh, I don't I don't feel loving anymore. I did feel loving towards you. Everything else was aligned and right. But now I just don't I'm not in love with you. But that's what commitment is. Commitment is I'm I'm committed to be here with you no matter what. Right? No matter how I feel in the moment. Right? We value commitment over feelings. It's a separate class, but any yeah. But why can we do that? Because we know that if you act loving it'll generate it'll generate sorry, if you act giving it'll generate love. Okay. Um, So we talked about this meter. There's lots of examples. This rabbi, um, it's actually Rabbi Farhi, his class. um, (laughs) He said to make noises like that sound like gas. It's not (laughs) nichbad. It's not. Is there a halacha in the Torah that says you shouldn't make? A sound of like sounds like gas passing gas He goes no but at some point you just don't do it it's just not it's not dignified It's just not dignified but there's no halakha that says you can't you hear it's a meter when I feel dignified I just wouldn't do that he said that the the most interesting thing is he said if you start to internalize this meter this quality there's so much of Torah you'll start to keep because a dignified person wouldn't do X Y and Z so it's like a shortcut. You don't even have to learn a lot of the mitzvahs. You do learn the mitzvahs, but you don't. you'll just start doing it because a dignified person wouldn't do half the things that you're not allowed to do. Right? It's a very interesting idea. This is really the beauty behind Snias and modesty. What, what it's, what it's, modesty is a, is a quality. It's not just about clothes. Clothes is one expression of on it, right? There's a, there is a halakha, though, how much you're supposed to drink or eat in one bite. Have you ever gone to a burger place where you get huge burgers? and you look at it and you're like... like... alright, and you can get locked off from like... right? You know, and you're like, oh, I don't know how to eat this, like. but then at some point you might just go for it, like take the risk, like and like, stuff it in. Right? The, 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 the tourist says you should never, ever eat like an animal. For your own sake. Just don't eat like an animal. You're not allowed to look like a cow. Um, even if it's a really good burger. Um, there's a there's in, at Pesach time. There's a whole thing around how much matza you should eat, how much matzah, and then how in what time frame, right? You've seen all this. Everyone goes crazy about it. Like how many minutes and how do you do it? And then you're also leaning. So then you're like, <laughs> like <laughs> munching. You know, it's, it's we're kind of nuts, right? Like what? Like how much do I eat? And then how many minutes do I eat it in? And then I've got to do it leaning. And I, I'm meant to look dignified, <laughs> right? It, we all know the, that moment and no one speaks and everyone's crunching right it's that really awkward moment okay those definitely don't look dignified right do. so like so th- there's this interesting at locus this difference of opinion on, on how much you're actually meant to eat like what an actual measurement of the Matzah is and it ranges a half of one of those squares versus a third of one of those squares and well there's all different opinions and they're all correct okay like we really like that we like to have many opinions um, right in 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 one type of chasidus. They're strict, to, they try to keep all the opinions, like they go to the most strict, so they can keep everything, right? Which is they want to do like, go beyond the letter of the law, and they want to do that, it's the way they express themselves, fine. So what? So they'll eat the full matzah, they'll have the full one, right? But there's another machlokus disagreement about the time. So some said you should eat that, that whole sheer of matzah in two minutes, some say it's four minutes, and some say it's nine minutes, right? Different time frames, that you how quickly you should eat it in one go. So the ones that are trying to fulfill all the opinions obviously eat the biggest matzah in the shortest time, <laughs> right? <laughs> can you imagine this? The huge matzah in two minutes, okay? So another opinion says you should store the matzah in your mouth and chew it and keep it at the sides of your mouth so that you can swallow the whole sheer at once, like in one gulp, like this is a very whatever level, right? This is a very type of specific history. So. Can you imagine doing a whole master whole master in two minutes and storing it in your mouth and gulping it like so it's interesting because someone took it to Roth Berkowitz and asked about this. And he said, right, it's it is funny. He said, You have to hold by the value, the valid validity of all these opinions, for sure. They're valid. He said, But it can't be it just cannot be that the Torah would make you look or eat like a cow. It just can't be that you're meant to eat the biggest matzah in the shortest time and keep it in the pockets of your mouth and swallowing. It can't be that in every other aspect of Torah you're a refined individual in this area to keep all the opinions, you have to look like a cow. Yeah, like, like, like there's just no way. There's just no way, right? So again, this is about using your, what we call sechel, your, your head, your logic, to understand deeper about like what, what, what would Hashem do in this situation? what would someone regal do they wouldn't act like this right if something feels off to you it usually is that's my whenever I speak to students about this and they're saying I'm not sure they're from and they were doing this and I know Judaism says that I'm like but it just felt wrong I said you're right it's wrong I can't tell you how many times I have said that to a student why cuz they're not acting like a Mitch so it has to be wrong because that's the whole point of the Torah is to refine us you hear so if something feels off to you that like someone's coming across arrogant mean rude cool doesn't feel right you're probably right you can, it's good to check it by a rub but like you're probably right because you are feeling that this is not right this is not what the tour is meant to produce okay we get embarrassed like with a burger for example because I don't want to look like an animal in public. It also, it's a bit embarrassing. Like, it feels weird, like if I'm going to look like a huge animal and oh, in the, my burger, right, in public. But at some point, when I do this over and over, it starts to feel weird in private. And that's really the point. It's about you, not about just how you look, right? And that, that transition is massive. To go from not caring about what other people think is that I just don't do this. It doesn't matter if someone's around or not. I, I don't do this because I value myself. So it should feel weird even in a private place. There's a, um, on di- where, where do we see this in the Torah? So there's, um, when they're describing the Kohen going up to the to the temple, it says, do not go upstairs to my mizbeach. Lo sale b'malos al Huh? It's a ramp. It's a ramp, because right, exactly, and? And it's not smooth if he goes on stairs because it might show his legs or, you know. Right, so the question there comes, the, the Kohen is the top, you know, is the top, is the most holy. And he's walking up the ramp and it says, you know, don't go up, don't walk upstairs to the mizbeah. Because if I walk upstairs with a, a, they've got a robe on, it's like the robe could lift up and I could see the legs. So like, it's just a ramp there. There's no one there though. Right? Or there's just a stairs. The stairs are going to see his legs. Who cares? So the question here is, it's not about the floor. It's about the Cohen." It's not about what the response is from the external, it's about he shouldn't do it because that's not what he would do, right, on that level. It's a higher level, we, don't, we wouldn't relate to that. There's nothing wrong with going upstairs, right? But on that level, it's more sneers, more modest, for him to walk for himself up a ramp than up the stairs where he's lifting his legs and the road might flap up, right? So um, that was one example where we, where we see that the quality of the, the character trait is not about the response, Another one, anyone know where there's another one? Where it's clearly, clearly not about the response? Another forefather? The certain things they won't do. Out of, out of gratitude. That's a key, that's a hint. Can you give another hint? Take something? Yeah, it was like they wouldn't do something that they were asked to do because they had gratitude towards from saving, the, the thing saving it's life? Tell us. Tell us. So we know with Moshe Rabbeinu, with Moses, that he wouldn't hit the water or the sand because it saved him. Right? Well, what do you mean a river's going to care? right? He wouldn't hit the water. Um, it has nothing to do with the water and the sand knowing about it. It's about me. When, so, when, I, when I am grateful to something, I, won't, I shouldn't act in a way that's disrespectful to that thing, even though the thing is inanimate right? You hear the sensitivity here. Sensitivity is about him, right? Not about, right? The sand buried the Egyptian, so he, did, he didn't He did get killed. He could run away. Being appreciative has nothing to do with the other person seeing or feeling or knowing that you're appreciative. It has to do with you as a human being being appreciative inside, right? It's an internal sense. Okay. So, when we're going about our, oh wait, so I, I just want to add on one thing about the, uh, about the um, walking up, the Cohen walking up to the Mizbeach, to the altar, on the ramp, it's a very interesting, there's a double meaning, it says, lo saleh ba ma'alos, right, don't go up the stairs, stair ma'alos is like stairs, to the, to my altar, so the double meaning here is that ma'alos, ma'alos, also means character traits don't go up with inflated character traits to my not It's not enough to just not be sneered, like to be careful about your sneers, to do the things that you shouldn't do. Don't worry about just doing the things like the, um, the prohibitions in life. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna walk up the stairs, I'm not gonna um, speak Lush and hara. horror. Like, don't, don't worry about the things you shouldn't do. Don't go up with inflated character traits as well. You have to, looking at a middle, middle line, a balance here. So don't go up all arrogant that you're the Cohen going up to the, to the altar as well. We're looking for the middle, the middle line here. Um, it's about maintaining the concept of what is. What does that mean? It means that just because I don't act disgusting, this is, this is the point, deep point, just because I don't act disgusting in my life doesn't make me by definition dignified. You hear that? Just not being disgusting doesn't make me like a princess right? It's partly what I have to do because I shouldn't drop, degrade myself down there, but just not spitting makes me a princess? Not eating like a cow makes me a princess? No, of course not. So it's about maintaining a concept of what is. Now what does that mean? Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. Like just not doing the negative stuff doesn't make you the positive. You have to, do the not, you have to not do the negative stuff otherwise you're going to degrade yourself. But what he says, very interesting, he says, feel behind the halakha. After I do something, you can ask yourself, do I feel a little elevated now or a little ashamed? When you do something, anything, we're talking about you walk into a, a crowded room at a party and how you greet people. I don't mean, like, you're not allowed to get all fanatical about analyzing yourself, right? But, like, just generally check in with yourself now and then. Do I feel a little elevated or do I feel a little ashamed about what I, if you're sensitive to yourself, you'll feel it. It's your own barometer of your own dignity. Children have this, by the way, and humans will strip them of it by their look, or by you being silly, right? They'll have a se- the- children have a sensitivity of this, like sneers and this dignity, like they don't like being, you know, centre of attention. If you catch them in a vulnerable moment, they they don't they don't they're not they're not going for that, unless it's been validated and approved of, and then that's what they do for the love and the attention. Um, So how do you feel this dignity without a sense of arrogance? How do I feel that I am all that, I'm important, I'm a princess, without feeling like I'm all that? Right? Without the arrogance? It's a very important question. How do I feel dignified and nichbad, that I'm so important, but without feeling arrogant? Yeah? Well, I think something that helps with that is to know, well, if you believe in Hashem, there's something grander and bigger than you. Excellent. So, how does that apply to me? Good. Just taking a next step. Well, it keeps you more humble because you're not all that. I mean, you are, but there's also more to live up to. There's always more. Okay, good. You're getting closer. So, you are all that and you're not all that. So, that's the piece. Yeah? Um, Because you're not just not doing the bad stuff, you're also doing the good stuff and doing the things to be more like Hashem and doing Right. The positive actions in addition to not doing the negative. So I could think, oh, I'm all that because I'm doing all that. Whoa. How do we not be arrogant about that? I think, like, as you were saying, with the leaving in and out of your good actions and your restrictions. So if you were all that, then you wouldn't have restrictions. So putting, oh, interesting. putting those okay. things in your life, like, I, I, I do all this, but I don't do this. So seeing your humanness. Yeah, like putting guidelines in your life. Okay. Okay, good, I like that. What else, yeah? Well, I think something else that often contributes to someone becoming arrogant is that there's a level of comparison that you're comparing yourself Mm -hmm. to other people. Mm -hmm. So if you're only doing it for yourself, it's kind of hard to be arrogant because, I don't know, it's just. It's not about putting down others that you feel better because you're putting down other people. Yeah. Right. it's just you and this is who you are you're not like I'm doing all this stuff and I'm so great it's just I'm doing all this stuff other people are probably doing this stuff too you just if you don't compare 100% you, know. yeah, you get rid of jealousy you get rid of a lot of things actually if you don't compare it's a good, I- it's a good idea well, it's all following Nicole's advice um, it's true I shouldn't compare to other people where does arrogance come from? pride, pride. in what? pride in your ego, but like what, what are we usually arrogant about? Things that we think we did as the to so what ah. we gave us. And here, here is the, the missing piece, this is the missing piece to we we are all that, like we are important, but we're also not all that. That was what Nicole was saying, meaning you are meant to feel like I am amazing, right? I'm amazing, I, whatever, like, but, but the, the thing is how much did I actually do to be amazing? Did I get myself money? Did I give myself the brains that I have? Did I give myself the looks that I have? Did I, whatever it is you think you're great at or whatever it is you have. How much do I actually do to get that? Usually it's very little actually. It's, kind, it's actually really scary if you think about it. Like I'm not responsible for my looks, my brains, the family I'm born into, the opportunities I had or didn't have. Um, like I'm not responsible, like I didn't do any of that. I was just plonked here and I woke up and went, oh, I'm so great, <laughs> right? It's like it's funny. I, I didn't do anything. Okay, so when you start narrowing it down to what you actually did, it's you know it's it's humbling over a lifetime, yeah. To see what you only get measured by the way and judged at the end of your lifetime, by what you act, the increase of what you did from where you were where you were born into and what you increased in your own life, and you're only judged. So you're tapping into what Hashem really thinks and what he, how He acts you only judged on your own situation. You're not judged ever in comparison to anyone else ever. Ever. You're only judged according to where Hashem belonged to you at the beginning of your life with all your situational factors and genetic factors and environmental factors. Everything you had in your own life. Opportunities and lack of opportunities and what you made of them. And you are judged according to your even your own ability. Like Hashem knows even how hard something someone struggles with doing chesed. And someone else is the most chesedic person like doing chesed all the time. And the other person's looking at the other person always doing kindness going, I wish I could do kindness like that. I can't at all. Like I just don't feel like I'm such a giver. Yeah? You're never judged according to that because who knows what their background was. Maybe they're one of those, you know, those Shabbos mums who just kept baking challah out, you know, like every five seconds, like a new is going, you know, like whatever. You don't know what their role modeling was. So you're only judged according to your own situation and what you did with the skills and talents and opportunities you got given. Yeah, or how hard you chose to do one little kindness that was so hard for you, you get enormous merit for that. It's actually extremely fair, right? Extremely fair. Only, it's, it's the only idea of just that we have. Yeah. Is that the case for non-Jews as well? I think so. I think they have a different purpose, but yeah, slightly different purpose. The purpose is still to develop themselves. But I, I, for sure, they're judged. They're not, ju- they're not judged according to what they didn't have or didn't do. Right. But they're judged according to the laws they need to keep, and um, definitely righteous Gentiles for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, The relationship to God. Um, Okay, I have no clue of time. Let me just check. Oh, excellent. Um, Okay, so what what's the practical step here? Nikbad is that I'm important and I do things that matter, but I can't take credit for being so amazing. I can't take the full credit, right? The problem with arrogance comes when I take credit for being so amazing, like, yeah, you know, I'm just so great, all right? There's no acknowledgement of another source there, like you said, knowing Hashem's the source. Um, Okay, so what's the practical takeaway? by the way, I was at my Rub's house, um, rav Kamenetsky in in Philly, and I learnt so much from this line. He doesn't even know because it was just like a flippant line in the kitchen, and their phones go nonstop. Like he's he's a rav in America that, that people call him for all sorts of um, usually f- like locust, shalom problems between communities and lots of questions and lots of lots of questions flying in from everywhere. So I sit there and I watch like. I, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm like at a tennis match and like the phones are going and whatever. I hear very juicy questions that are being asked and how he answers it, it's fascinating. And there was one time where he was dealing with getting a woman to get in a divorce and it was a very, very messy, horrible divorce. And of course, he's dealing with both sides and he's very good that way because he'll understand the real situation of both sides. And someone sent him a very like, I guess, a reactive, very kind of attacking type email in this heated process. And he just said, he was talking to his wife about it, and he just said, it's, not, it's beneath me to respond to such an email. I'm like, what? And he goes, it's beneath, it's beneath me to respond. I'm like, what do you mean? It was this. I didn't realize it was this, but it was this, this quality. And I'm like, he wasn't being arrogant. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? He goes, like, you imagine, like, it, it just, it's beneath me to respond. It's like, in order to respond to such an email, it would have to degrade him to respond to such an email. And I was like, you I mean you can just not respond to an email? Like I it hadn't even occurred to me that someone emails you, you can actually just choose not to respond. Really. Like it's not rude. But can it be isn't it possible that it's perceived as rude? Sure. Because the, the other person has no idea they're acting there like a barking dog. <laughs> and then he wants the rub to bark back. And the rub's says, I'm sorry, I don't bark. Right? The barking dog doesn't realize he's a barking dog. Right? Does it mean he's never going to speak to the guy again? Of course not. He's not going to respond to such an email in such a way, right? It was beneath his dignity to respond to such an email. If you feel undignified having to respond to such a thing, you shouldn't do it. It's just a whole different level, right? Um, okay. So what, what do we do day to day? Imagine if a document resurfaced and they found out that your dad was actually the king really like they found a document said no no you don't understand like you' you've got royal blood you you have royal blood like you, we found something and your dad is the king like you know what would you do differently if you looked in the mirror and you were like oh my gosh like I have royal blood what would you do differently in your life now today what would you do differently if you really felt you had royal blood somehow and now all of a sudden there's going to be over the papers and people knew about it and they knew you were a princess and you knew, like, even though it's not about what other people think, what would you do differently? Imagine, like, people, he says this interesting, people arguing about something petty. Ah, he says this, she said that, she said, he said... Right? Imagine the Queen of England engaging in that. Oh, he said, she said, he said... She's above it. She wouldn't even go there. Right? Why? Because it's not nikhbad to do that. It's just not. She wouldn't even go there. He said, she said... Eh. Right? That's what, the, that's what the Rav meant when it said it's, it's, not, it's not it's beneath me to respond to such an email. So if I were trying to be a nifbut in my life, if we were trying to be like a Princess Kate what would we do? What would we not do? These are the questions. Like I was thinking what would I do? Probably crack gum, like I wouldn't crack, you know, like certain things. It says, can you imagine the Queen running for a bus? <laughs> no, it's not nikhbud to run for a bus. It's not, it's not against halacha to do that, but it's not It's not dignified to like, imagine the Queen like bolting for a bus, right? It's funny, but could you imagine a Queen on the bus, standing on the bus, traveling on the bus, or traveling? Yeah, like you could imagine a Queen standing on the bus in a, in a dignified way. Holding the thing, being dignified. I mean, she wouldn't be on the bus because she would have all the bodyguards. In, you know, right? But yes, you could imagine technically a queen on the bus, but you could not imagine a queen running for the bus. So there's an example of a sensitivity where we all have it because we're all laughing about a queen running for the bus. We know a queen wouldn't run for the bus. It's not. So in yourself, doesn't mean you can't run for the bus, okay? But in yourself, what would I not do if I really felt I was regal? What would be the next step up if I had a little bit more dignity about myself? What would I do or not do? What would I wear or not wear? That's really where sneers is coming from. At your level, wherever you're at, what would you, what was the next thing that you would wear or not wear? The next thing you buy, how would it be slightly different if you really felt you were regal? Now you want to look classy, right? But not someone just to like gawk at you. You hear the difference? It's, it's very subtle. It's a subtle, this is a subtle concept. It's not black and white. There's no judgment, like right, wrong. Yeah? But, but these are the ideas I'd love you to start playing with. Think about, happy if you want to email me. Um, I'm also available every week now before class, um, probably two days a week to actually meet with anyone whenever you want to meet about anything, like in your own growth and just talking about life, whatever. But it's important to apply this stuff, not just hear it in a class and then forget about it. So, any, I mean, it doesn't have to be about this, but anything. So, anyway, thank you, guys. Have a great yeah. week. Yeah. Thank you.